saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome back to another episode of the Girl Stop Playing Podcast. It's your favorite homegirl, Coriel, here to encourage you to stop playing with your potential and start working for what you want in life and in love. You already know that I'm bringing you the information and the conversations to help you make the money and get the honey. You can have it all as long as you are willing to work. And we have a working woman in the building. We got my girl Char Bates in the studio. Char, I can't even give you a proper introduction because I feel like you have lived several lives. I feel like I have. Even though we just talked about that you're 85, baby. So you ain't lived that many lives, okay? Because we still young and fresh out in these streets. But okay. for the people who are not familiar, please give yourself a proper introduction. Um, I am a community advocate. I'm a mom. Um, I am a marketer. I'm a master uh, host from event to TV to radio. Um, I'm a community healer. Um, I love our people. I'm a big advocate of us um, building more generational wealth, closing that wealth gap, and creating whatever opportunity is necessary. Look, I ain't go to Clark Atlanta, but I much so find a way or make a way, you know. And um, you know, I've I've done a lot, but in general i just like i said i just love our people i love to have fun and um i just try to build myself and others up and however that comes to be is how it comes out so in this season you are strong heavy in the um advocacy space Absolutely, absolutely. We talked about uh, briefly the fact that this is not our first connection. We, right. We're actually <laughs> reconnecting after mm -hmm. almost a decade, y'all, literally right. 10 years ago. <laughs> but I want to bring it, I want to start the conversation there because way back then, almost 10 years ago, you were hosting a show. Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit about what you had going on way back in 2014 before podcasting media kind of became what it is. And I want to start there because I just am in, I am of the belief that it's important to put some respect on people's names, even if other people have come along and kind of taken the baton and ran mm -hmm. with it. I think it's important to talk about the beginnings of, you know, kind of the streaming and what we're seeing now. So what was your first vision in terms of the media space that you're in? Uh, so first, I am actually a, a radio and TV broadcast graduate. Um, I started my show way back in the day. Um, I started off with seven listeners. Um, I built my show up to having tens of thousands of listeners a week independently. Um, so I'm one of the pioneers of streaming and podcasting. And this was back when, you know, you couldn't do nothing else on your phone. You couldn't answer the phone. You couldn't check a text or nothing. So you really had to, you know, captivate that audience. And um, I built my notoriety because I, I had a 40-person street team. 
Um, we were, I was one of the first people that started going out to events and doing live pop-up red carpets at hip-hop events. Now it's like the, you know, quota a lot of times for events and stuff, but it wasn't back then. So I would just pop up at events. I would have like 10, 12 girls with me. We'll put our own red carpet out and do the whole setup. And so everybody, I think a lot of, t a lot of people wanted a free event recap. But also, more solely, I was coming with, like, 10 super fine girls. So it was like, okay, we're going to have these girls out here, lights and cameras, you know. And, um, yeah, you know, we really had to fight in that space because it was like back then, if you weren't terrestrial radio, it wasn't respected. Mm -hmm. And then it was very, very expensive, you know. Um, paying for all of these different things, whereas now you can set it up on your phone. You can, it's a lot of different sites that cater to that. And so um, I built that uh, platform up, you know, um, from scratch. So, as an OG, triple OG in the space, <laughs> you know, half of the population believes that we need to remove podcasts, microphones from the black community. And then the other <laughs> half is like, you know, taking advantage of the good resources that can be found out here. What is your take, I guess, on like where media is currently as an OG who, you know, you've been in the game and now the game has definitely kind of shifted and changed. What do you see or like, what's your maybe prediction for 2024 in terms of media? Um, well, first, I'm very proud of where we are. Um, the thing is, is that Malcolm X said a very long time ago that, you know, uh, he who controls the narrative, he who, con who, he who controls the media controls the narrative. And for so long, you know, mainstream media were able to shape the mindset and opinions of people on grave issues, mm -hmm. things going on in their community, elections and different things. And we have taken our voice back. And so I think it's beautiful to see um, the water cooler conversations that weren't typically making it on air into the mainstream, uh, not only make it to the mainstream, but us being able to control. I think that that is the biggest thing, you know, because like, for instance, right? So I was on um, a show on BET called Cop Watch America. It came out the same day and time as Tyler Perry shows that have evolved into Fatima and these different things. Um, and I was at the one of the highlights, high points of my careers, but they took that show off at the beginning of 2020, just before civil unrest, just before the election and all this stuff, because we were controlling too much of, you know, what was being put out there. From that show, we were able to get APD to uh, require body cams from the police officers. So without that work, we wouldn't have had, you know, video of Rayshard Brooks. We wouldn't have had video of um, Deacon Johnny Holloman that just came out. But they took the show off, right? But my name, I didn't own my name mm. for an entire year. And so at the height of one of the high points of my career, I could only do one-offs on shows because I didn't own my name. So if I wanted to go and start a full talk show or something on a major network, I couldn't. When you're doing these podcasts and stuff, you're not only able to control your content, 
you're able to receive all of your revenue. You know, you're able to put out whatever you want to, you know, and it's a different space and time, you know, because you're able to pick your guests. You don't have to take who they're telling you we want to see. You get to actually control the culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has been one of the biggest issues um, in our community not progressing is because we don't own or control anything. And right now we are completely dominating you know the independent media space mm -hmm. and i think that um that's something that we cannot take for granted we're in an election year and i think that this year um the podcasters the streamers the tv shows and the independent media Y'all politicians and y'all gonna have to come. See, they gonna have to come see y'all. Don't come see me. Listen, put the camera <laughs> on me because my my platforms have already reached out. Like, are you interested? Nope. Don't put me in the pool for nothing political. I'm not playing that game. And I think that's a big. That's the challenge. It's mm -hmm. do you take the check to go do against you, it, yourself? Because it's a here's and the I, thing. I'm not. I need y'all to understand that that is blood money. When you are taking a check to have a political guest and they are cookie-cutting what they want to talk about, cookie-cutting what you're able to put out there, now you're back in the lane of mainstream media where you are not... The first rule of journalism is taking your opinion out of the situation when you're reporting different things, you know. But the thing is, is that we all know that mainstream media is never taking their opinion out of the situation. They're actually catering and, you know, conjuring how One your opinion... very specific ex opinion. Exactly. And so um, I think that's a, a, a smart thing to do because then you're not caught in between looking like either a sellout or looking like, you know, you're trying to control people's narratives. I think that is very important um, for us to take a stand. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to have those political figures and different people on there, that's okay if that's your um, lane or if you want to get into that. But just make sure that you understand that they have an objective. Mm -hmm. And you have, I think that people need to um, remember that you have a responsibility to the culture to tell the truth as well as you know, um, allowing the truth to get out there without being filtered, without having rose-colored lenses on mm -hmm. it, you know, and without being swayed by money. And I think that, that, that this year we're going to see who is really for the culture and who really just Who's doing this for, for check. Yep. That part. I think Cat Williams kicked this year Ooh. off right, baby. <laughs> Because if I have Easter ever seen did. a stand for nothing or, uh, you know, stand for something or fall for anything, that was an example of it. And I think that it's the line has been drawn and it's either you I'm going, you know, kick shit like cat or I'm going to just collect a check. And I think that is where the it gets a little tricky because I want the check, but I'm not willing to sell my soul for it. And I think that is. And that's all you that's that all it needs to, to be. That's navigate. what you just said right there is golden. That's all it needs to be. Is nothing wrong with, you know, monetizing, you know, your passions because you're supposed to. And that mm -hmm. was one of the biggest mistakes that I made 
um, getting started, which is why I'm doing my nonprofit masterclass next month on the first day of Black History. But it's nothing wrong with monetizing it. But don't be willing to sell your soul for a check. That's not okay. That's not Especially okay. Especially when you're going to have to bend the block and explain to people. Uh, Charlemagne, perfect example. Shuck it and jive and right on that Breakfast Club show with <laughs> Kamala up there making all them false promises. Didn't do a damn thing. Nothing and now what is Charlemagne saying? Four years later, he want to come back and say, well, they didn't do nothing. I don't think... Sir, we knew they were not going to do anything, but you sat there and collected that check, let them put that battery pack in your back to just get up there and just be literally a puppet and now you have to circle back to the people who trust you and explain yourself of why you're not willing I to do, do this respect again. let me say this I do respect the fact that um Charlemagne is willing to ask the tough questions that most people are not you know see this he is willing to ask the questions but are do you I feel like you know the answer before you ask the question I feel like Charlemagne knew that they was full of shit before he had them on more, that show but it's more solely now let me say this because sometimes you gotta get Charlemagne, stuff on, come on down and explain yourself <laughs> don't be mad at us Charlemagne <laughs> you gotta get stuff on record sometimes mm -hmm. you know and I you think, think he ain't take a check though well, I don't think he took a check for the interview specifically. Um, I think that he didn't get the check. iHeart got the check. Let me say that. iHeart got there the check. There was a check. There was definitely a check made. Um, you know, he did ask some tough questions that a lot of people are afraid to ask. Um, the thing is, is that unfortunately, because he doesn't control that platform, they don't have a say-so on saying we're not going to interview Kamala Harris. They don't have a say-so right, on that. Right, understood. You mm -hmm. know, but I think that not it's not about even just asking the tough questions. I think that we as a community need to specify um, what our non-negotiables are as well as what our initiatives are that we are not budging on. You know, because other we talk about, oh, you know, we want to hold them accountable. Okay, but what measures what? have we put in place to hold them accountable? What measures are put in place if they don't do these things? What are the consequences? You know, and it's too many Indian, it's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Mm -hmm. And every, I feel like in our community, everybody is so concerned about being the head or the first or the lead on something that we don't want to all come together. Because here's the thing. The Latino community is very clear on what their initiatives are and non-negotiables. The Asian community, very clear on their non-negotiables and initiatives. The, um, you know... Indian community. And everybody but us and it's really sad because we have the most voting power well see and that's my problem which not just Charlemagne. i mean he was just the first example that popped in my head because i've recently seen him circling back like no I ain't, i'm not endorsing them this time and I, wasn't it on his show that joe uh, i was about to say joe Biden, that joe biden said you ain't black if you don't vote was that on Charlemagne? i kind of feel, like, I, I feel it like it was. was yeah i feel like it was but here's the thing we should can i cuss Please, okay. go for it. We should have all checked his ass when he said that. Uh, we should have all that's checked the problem Joe that Biden's I with ass when though. he said that's that. The, I, what you said about you having a responsibility when you have this platform, I feel like you sat there and let him play in our face. Not that you had a, a choice in the matter of whether or not this guest was coming to the show, but for you to 
know that our community is very it ignorant is. Yeah. when it comes to politics and how it works and knowing that we have no organization, knowing that we don't have any anything to stand on, really. I think the responsible thing to do is not just ask the tough questions, but then come behind it on your own platform and maybe, you know, we don't know what the paperwork say. There just has to be someone willing to say, I'm not just going to go alone to get along. I'm not just willing to go with the status quo because this is what everybody's going with. Like, at what point is someone going to take a stance and say, no, Ice Cube, I'm not willing to just take, I'm willing, let's have a conversation. Let's lay it all out on the table. And then we attack, you know, him when, when you're willing to do that. And see, I, I've gotten in trouble for being that person. Because that's why, that person yes. gets in trouble. So that's what I'm saying. How do, that's why people are afraid to do it. But we got to do it anyway. Here's the thing. If when they're a the first thing that they do to activists is isolate them and make them an enemy of the people. If more people stood up and took a stand, then it won't be so rare for this to happen. You know, and I mean, because literally, you know, for the longest, um, we not only were punished for speaking the truth, they would take away those platforms. As soon as you start making too much noise and making too much of a change, they want to change, which is why Cop Watch America was taken off. Just, just imagine if Cop Watch America with activists, we had a, this was a huge show. We had a whole cast in New York and a cast in Atlanta. Imagine if that what, show- What's the premise of the show? It, it's about um, us holding the police accountable. So literally watching the cops. Watching the cops, um, to informing people of what's going on, um, you know, bringing up, uh, you doing marches, bringing up laws and legislation about what needs to happen for these changes, I mean, to, you know, make change in our communities. And, I mean, it, w it got real serious, like, to where, you know, activists in New York were outside of Pantaleo's house, the officer to kill Eric Garner in the rain, protesting in front of his house. Down here, you know, with everything with Jimmy Atchison, you know, we actually were able to make that a law in Atlanta for them. To we broke up the relationship between the feds and APD, a 30-year relationship. So just imagine if we had have been on TV when Rayshard Brooks happened, when Breonna Taylor. Now, here's the thing. You know, like Jay-Z said, you was who you was before you got here. So I still was able to go. When I went down to Brunswick, um, that case for my Arbery was closed. So we got that case from our activism opened back up. We put on blast, you know, um, that the DA, Jackie, let these people walk away with blood on their hands. I went down there, you know, and showed people the truck that was a part of killing Amar Arbery was still sitting in that man's driveway, you know? And so just imagine if we had have had, we were on BET Africa, BET France, all type of places. If that had have still been active, it's like looking back at the time, I'm like, this is so wrong, this is that and third. It's still wrong. But looking back, I understand why. It would have caused civil unrest. We didn't, it, it was already causing it. The APD was having, APD and NYPD was having meetings every week about the shows. You know, and I was like, we didn't know if it was Atlanta, the city of Atlanta administration pulling strings or if it was New York. But when we look back, an activism show at the beginning of a year of civil unrest, at the beginning of a year of an election year and a pandemic, you know, live streaming and showing you what's happening on the streets on a mainstream platform every single day, it would have caused too much ruckus mm -hmm. because we were calling out the Democratic vice president's sweethearts in New York and Atlanta. And so, but the thing about it is, is that 
we still did what we were called to do anyway because it, it when you really about this work it ain't about i don't need a camera around me for me to do what i do every day you know and so we still carry through you know i was a person that let them know that it was still um bullet shell shell casings out from the ray sharp brooks situation you know they would love to shut me up you know what i'm saying and it was definitely times during, you know, 2020 where I didn't feel like I was going to be here, you know, if I didn't slow down. But the fact of the matter is, is that we do not have time to be scared. I don't understand the timidness and the scariness of our people in 2024 when Malcolm and them was out here calling these people crackers to their face in the 60s. We are disrespecting their legacy being scary like this in 2024. And it's like, to your point about people, you know, I think that Charlemagne is one of the most outspoken people of all of them. But it's like, for instance, I seen um, Ebony K mm -hmm. or something on Revolt the other day. She called Charlemagne. She basically said that Charlemagne was a coon and other people um, for not supporting Biden over Trump and that, you know, really what it is 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 y'all just uneducated and don't know enough to understand that them cutting our student loans was for black people. I'm sorry, did they say anything specifically for black people? No, in fact, they specifically said they were not doing anything, anything specifically, specifically for, for black people. people. Okay, I thought, I thought so. You know, and so the fact of the matter is when you have people like Ebony K saying things like this, you know, um, it just shows, unfortunately, how complacent our people are of crumbs. That That's all it takes? How desperate we are for a check. Oh, my what, God. Because at the end of the day, I don't believe that any of these celebrities would be speaking up or not speaking up if there was not money involved. It's definitely, um, you know, money involved. And sometimes money comes in the form of a promotion. Sometimes right, right. Money a benefit, a benefit, mm -hmm. not just Ab an actual check. Absolutely. But a benefit. I mean, it's, it's that to me, though, is the it's the challenge for anybody in this space, in this media space, where you have this desire to, of course, I want to be on a major platform. Of course, I want to be on the big screen, of course. But you don't know all that comes along with it. And so when you're having to decide, am I going to stand for something or am I just going to, you know, be willing to say whatever they want me to say to take a check or work with whoever partner, align myself with whoever that I need to get ahead. Black people historically have, like you said, accepted any little thing to just get an inch ahead of the rest of the community. And I want to circle back to something that you said about you not having access to your name, because those are the little details that people on the outside looking in have no clue about. And that happens often. So can you explain a little bit, what does that actually mean that you did not own your name? So when you sign on to a major network show or production, is something in your contract called a non-compete. And in that non-compete clause, that means that, you know, you are basically bound to their terms for a certain amount of time, even after the show airs, even after the show is gone off, even if they cancel the show. 
So in my non-compete clause, I was a only able to do one-offs on large productions. And so, like... So that means you couldn't have, like, a reoccurring role on something. Not on anything major. So, like, I, for instance, I was on, um, you know, I didn't... I did an MSNBC um, presidential debate special. It was a two-part special where they interviewed us prior to the first one, the first debate between President uh, uh, Trump and Biden, and then uh, in the middle of their next one. They were using tidbits from the first one on the next ones. You know, and here's another thing. They were chopping up interviews, parts, and saying that we said things that we did not say. But if BET or someone wanted to come along and say, technically, this is, um, you know, a violation of something, then I would have had to fight that. Um, I, if I had have done a show, I could not have done it as Charbates. I could not have done it as Charbates. I would have had to do it under another like alias. An alias. Like, for instance, the non-compete clause when it comes to radio. Like, right now, if... Charlemagne was to leave the Breakfast Club. Typically, is six months to a year for a really big show. They may even do two years. Mm. He would not be able to just walk on to another. He couldn't just go from Power 105 to V103 the next day. He would have to sit out for six to 12 months. Basically, they like, we gonna gouge on your name. Um, you ain't about to, basically, they don't want you to be able to just take their, take your audience that you probably already had before they came along, but they don't want you to be able to take that audience and just transfer it to another platform. Mm -hmm. So you have to do, it's like a red shirt in the, cause people know about red shirt in sports. It's kind of like red shirting in uh, production. You gotta so sit you out. can't, yeah, you have a sit out period before you can go and do anything else. And so the only thing, so I did, I went back to radio um, for a minute and I was doing like uh, live weekly updates on Hot 107.9 for like a year, year and a half. But I couldn't do a major production, you know, where it's like advertised everywhere and stuff. No, they weren't going to let me do so that. So knowing what you know now, having basically kicked this thing off as we know it in 2014, having had this major opportunity still in the media space, you know, with all of the projects that you have going on, if you, if someone was sitting in front... Hell, hell, I'm sitting in front of you. If somebody <laughs> sit in front of you and they say, what would be your advice for someone who's who wants to get into media in terms of, you know, do I go try to align myself with a major production? Do I, you know, try to do this thing independently? What is your advice now, knowing what you know? Hmm. I would absolutely say to do it independent. Well, let me say this. It depends on what your goals are. Um, if you just want to do a show that's fun and lighthearted and, you know, the, the bag is super important to you, um, I would say, hey, go after a major production. But if your goal is ownership and control of your content... Do it independent. And this is something, this is the reason why I have not done my show in a couple years because after I seen how they were able to take out the parts that were important to me and only show the stuff that they really wanted that they felt like would be messy or controversial, um, I didn't like that. And for the record, I was the last person to sign on with Cop Watch America because I didn't feel like we were getting our worth and I, and I knew, and I found out later, 
we wasn't. Anyway, but um, I would definitely say go independent if you want to do something that has not been done before, and I'll tell you why. Um, what I was told is, and I've spoken to some of the top producers in the game, um, if a production company is investing their resources, their um, equipment, their networks into you, why would they give you control of something that they have now invested more into it than you have? Versus, for instance, let's say girls stop playing, right? You Let's say you get up to a million subscribers and a network comes along they're not going to want to change what you're doing because it's already been working. You already have a system and a process that works for you and works for your audience. So they know if they try to make too many changes, they could mess everything up and then it won't be as worthy as it was. So at that point, you are able to retain creative control because you having creative control is what got you to that space in the first place. So you are at, you are at a way better negotiation stance versus saying, hey, can you give me $100,000 to put this together? All I have is my name and a couple followers, but I haven't built anything. They come along with Girls Stop Playing in a year or two from now, and they got to pay. But the thing is, is this is possible, y'all. Like, I think that people don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. They want it easy. I don't want to spend my money. They don't want to spend their money. Mm -hmm. They want everything given to them, and they don't want to put in the work. When you look at, and I wish they were still on air, but when you look at, have you ever seen the show Deces and Miro? Mm Mm-mm. Okay, so Deces and Miro started... What is it? Say it again. Deces and Miro. Girl, what? I, is this English? What are yeah, you saying? Yeah, one guy's name Deces, the oh, other guy's names. name Miro. I'm like, I don't even know what those words mean. Okay, got you. I'm going to Google it. So here's the thing. They started off, y'all, with some milk cratons in a goddamn garage. Just talking shit. They went on to be picked up by... Um, uh, first, they were on Vice... They went on to get picked up and get a show on HBO. But they were able to keep their same format and just make it better because they built it on their own. You know, I started off with seven listeners. By the time I got to, you know, um, you know, tens of thousands of listens a week, you know, if you came along, you knew you had to cut me a check. I got a 40-person street team. I got, you know, 12 interns, you know what I'm saying? Like, I have already built this, you know? Like, I did, as you, you, the one that you were, I did my first um, live studio audience in 2014. And so if somebody had came along then, you know you got to pay me because I did all of this without you. Yeah, but if you're asking someone, basically... When you are trying to get a check for your show and you haven't did anything yet, you're asking them to fund your dream. You're asking them to fund your vision. So can you really be mad at them for making it the vision that they want when, at this point... It's their vision. They put in more money than you. Circle back to Kat one more time. Because one (laughs) of the things that Kat said, (laughs) he was willing to put up his own money. He literally said, how can I expect you to invest in me if I don't even do that. 
And mm-hmm. I think that that is literally the, the only... Blueprint. Th- yeah, that's the blueprint. That's the only way that's going to work. I don't know the show you name, but I do know my girl Issa Rae. And I know that she I was watching Awkward Black Girl way back in 2012. Listen. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why Issa is able to pop her shit and get out on TV and say, I'm voting for everybody black. Because she always told you she was unapologetically black. So you can't change that brand. And then the show that she had on HBO... Um, insecure. Mm-hmm. That was nothing but awkward black girl on a larger platform, but they changed the name because you was gonna have to pay her way more if you wanted use to use that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, goals. Issa Rae really gave us the. She gave us Issa, the blueprint. People do not give Issa credit enough because she started. Remember, she went and did the series, the couples, the uh, dating series that she did. No, uh, well, it was a show. Before she, Insecure? Mm-mm, after. Oh, no, I'm She not ran across somebody on YouTube that had a dope show. She invested into them, made that bigger, and she just kept duplicating. She just yeah, kept duplicating. Yeah, she has a whole, like, talent agency now where she's developing people just like she oh, was able to Angela? develop herself. Listen. She got a talent agency? Issa Rae got a talent agency? I saw her me, at... Me, me, me and Coriel need to... Holla. Uh, <laughs> holler. You know? Come on down, Issa. Listen, anytime people ask me, like, who's that person? Like, who for you is that person? And it's Issa. And and that's the reason why, though. It's because she can stand ten toes down. Every time. Because she invested in herself. She built herself. She didn't wait for somebody to do it. And then, like you said, they had to take her as she was because who she was was already working. But your ass is out here trying to get a check, and who you are ain't working. <laughs> you got to make it work first. You got to make it work first in, or, in order for someone to first. come along and want to get behind it. I think so mm-hmm. often we're chasing people to try to get behind something, and they ain't even got nothing to get behind. So doing the work, I think, is super important. How did you make the pivot, though, from... And I don't even know if it's a pivot because I think you're still doing both. But where, what was that motivation to get into activism? Um, you know what? I got in through media. So, um, like I told you, when I would be going out to events and doing recaps and stuff, um, when Trayvon Martin was killed, that kind of struck me a different type of way, and I was talking about it. But when Mike Brown was killed, um, I noticed that I was one of the only radio hosts in Atlanta talking about it. And at the time, one thing about mama, she is going to make sure that everyone else is taken care of before she even thinks about treating herself. So if you are looking for the perfect gift to make mom feel special this Mother's Day, make sure you check out the Mega Moisture Duo from Osea Malibu because body care is self-care. Since 1996, Osea has been making clean, clinically proven, seaweed-infused skincare. So this Mother's Day, treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GSPP at OseaMalibu.com. Plus, you'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code GSPP for 10% off. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I was on AM um, and I remember Michael Bayesden was one of the only mainstream radio hosts that was talking about it every single day. And um, I noticed that when I started going out to events just to cover it, to talk about it on my show, what was happening out there was not what was being reported. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't like that, you know? And then what really let me know that this was a bigger deal than what I thought I remember um, trying to get onto a particular station that I'm not going to name. And I ran into the program director, and I went up to, you know, you when you're trying to get onto these networks, you know, you know, we do our study, and we know everybody who is the, you know. And so I went up to him and introduced myself. He's like, oh, you're Charbates. I know who you are. We follow each other. I said, you don't follow me. He says, yes, I do. I said, you think I wouldn't know the program director is following me? And so... Um, he was like, I love what you're doing. He said, I got right to it. Why you ain't hire me? And he was like, well, you know, here's the thing. You know, I like, I love what you're doing, but you just got to basically tone down the police brutality talk. And I said, what? This man gave me a guide, a percentage, so you can talk about this this much, talk about entertainment that much, talk about that. And I'm like, so, you know, as a black woman, when you tell us we can't do something, we like, why not? So now I'm flipping over tables. Like, what's really going on here? And then maybe I say, like, so I started talking about it more and looking more into it. I say, like, a month or two later, they did a sweep in radio where they took off everybody that was heavily talking about police brutality from Michael Bayesden. They took off Al Sharpton. They took off all of these different people. And I'm telling all my friends in radio and all the major stations here, like, y'all, we got to be talking about this more than the and the third. They're like, sure, we can't talk about it. They like, And I'm like, no, nah, y'all just don't want to. They're like, no, we getting in trouble for talking about this stuff. They're actually telling us a guideline, hey, do not talk about this. And so um, I... Uh, was going to interview this guy whose um, brother was killed by um, Marietta Police. I don't know if you remember Nick Thomas. Mm -mm. Who? Okay, so um, Nick Thomas was killed uh, the day after I booked him on my show. And I text him like, hey, I just seen what happened. Don't worry about the show this week. I, 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 however I can support you, please let me know. He was like, no, nah, we're doing this interview. I'm, I'm, we about to talk about this. So that was, I, I did the first interview before they did CNN and all of this stuff. And when, and so that was the first time that millennials were like super heavily involved in police brutality like that in Atlanta. And so we're fighting hard and turn around, like we shut down Cumberland Mall, all type of stuff, highway turn around and they promoted the officer that killed him and i was like you know what i don't want to do this no more so i stopped doing um any anything in activism for a couple years and then when um kaepernick uh did his protest i remember i was literally just driving down the road and i seen all these people um well, no, no, no. I uh, heard about this event that they were having at a park downtown. So I went to the event, and they were like, we about to take a knee in the middle of Piedmont. I'm like, who about to take a knee in the middle of Piedmont? 
I'm like, it's Piedmont. You know how busy the street is? And so I seen all of these people from the NAACP and, like, people that were involved with Farrakhan taking me in the middle of Piedmont. And I was just so inspired. I went home and did a recap video in, like, an hour. The NAACP hit me up like, who did this video? I said, I did, you did this video? I'm like, yeah. They was like, you got a lot of you got a lot of followers. I'm like, yeah. They was like, you know what's going on with Kemp? I had no idea. And he was like, we need to be talking about this. Like, I want you to come on this radio station interview with me. I'm like, hey, um, I'm a little ghetto. I'm kind of ratchet, you know what I'm saying? I'm sophisticated ratchet, you know, but I don't know politics. I hadn't, girl, I hadn't voted in 10 years. I'm, I'm like, I don't do politics. I still hate politics. And so he's like, no, no, just come up. So when I tell you within like a week or two, I was on V103, Hot 107.9, Streets, all these different stations, and I'm out of my normal space. And we turned around, and um, we got behind Stacey Abrams' campaign. We ended up raising the millennial voting percentage in 2018 to by 400%. I'll never forget seeing a line wrapped outside of South DeKalb Mall, not for Jordans, not for a celebrity meet and greet, but to sign up to vote. And I was like, wow, this is really different. And I kid you not, within like, I did a couple videos that went viral. Here's the thing, you have to tell your truth. People can tell authenticity. When everything was coming out, and then at the same time with the stuff with Kemp, um, the Supreme Court justice that um, had uh, was being accused of rape by all of those people, um, and so victims were starting to come. I told mm -hmm. my story about me um, going through uh, sexual abuse as a child. That went viral. Some of the videos um, about, you know, Kempin went viral. And two, three weeks later, BET caught me. And so when I tell you I was kind of thrown into activism, um, I literally was. And I was kind of like, yo, I don't know this space, but, you know, being authentic in who you are will take you to all types of places that you feel like you weren't ready for, but God has been preparing you for this your entire life. And so I was a new activist in all of this stuff, you know, but I've always been F12, shall I say? <laughs> and so it just kind of worked because I think that people were tired of people sugarcoating stuff and I'm like, I'm just about to say this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a Gemini, so ain't really no sugarcoating over here. And so I think that that kind of um, gave people encouragement and a voice and more of a comfortability um, to speak out on things that's been going on that we have just accepted. I'm like, no, we got to quit. Like, this is not okay, you know? So... I started, um, so it went around the time all of that happened, I started my um, social advocacy organization called My Vote is Hip Hop. Because here's the thing, I'm not, my vote ain't Republican, my vote is not Democrat, my vote is hip hop. Tell I just want to know means. the truth. That, that means that um, my vote is what's best for us. Um, my vote is, you know, what makes sense for us. My vote is what's in our best interest, you know? And my vote is telling the truth, even if it's against somebody that looked like us. Because the fact of the matter is, is that, that I feel like that is one of the biggest problems in politics. 
we're so trusting. We think that, you know, colonization only happens from white people or from, you know, the wig, the white wig type of community when no, you know, um, it's, it's like in Atlanta. We're in the blackest city. You know, we have a black administration. We have had one for, what, 40 years going on now? But we have the largest wealth gap in the country, you know? So how do we connect the dots? Because one of the things um, we talked about before um, before we came on air was generational wealth. Like, we can talk about all of this stuff all day long. The impact, but where's the income? And I'm not sure what the solution is. What do you feel, knowing what you know, doing the work that you've done? And I guess part of the work that you do with your organization is to help build generational wealth and help teach mm -hmm. children about wealth. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's the solution? It's like us getting the information and then turning back and give it to the, to the children to hopefully help impact the next generation? So that's a part of it, but I don't feel like it, we can stop there because the problem is, is once you start making money and you make a certain amount, most people don't care about the issues that were affecting them when they didn't have as much. I think that we have to start taking ourselves more serious. It's a going joke. Like, black people don't take nothing serious. We're so unserious. You know what I'm saying? We're so unserious. <laughs> but I think that we have to get serious about the things affecting our community. And, excuse me, not just from the government and a political standpoint. We got to take the gun violence more serious in our community. We got to take the youth violence more serious in our community. We got to take the literacy rate more serious in our community. We have to start holding these politicians accountable that we get into office like our beloved mayor named Dre, you know, who you had all these promises of being this community type of mayor and now you're so pro-cop that, you know, you won't even speak out against a 62-year-old deacon being killed by a 23-year-old officer. Like, we literally have a black Derek Chauvin right here in Atlanta, and nobody's talking about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are talking about free Palestine, free Palestine, but... Atlanta is about to spend $90 million on a police training facility where the Israeli military is going to continue training because we've been getting trained over there in Israel by the Israeli military for about 30, 40 years. And it's like, we have to stop being groupies for popular people when they do things that are not in our best interest. Because Malcolm told us a long time ago that it's only the black community that they ask our entertainers and athletes and comedians to be our spokespersons versus the people that have been studying this their whole lives versus the people that's on the front lines because they know if they get our favorite person to do or say what they want everybody to do we're just going to jump behind it we have to be you know vigilant about protecting our future you know whether they look like us whether they don't look like us whether they have money whether they don't have money you know we have to protect the the least of us 
the same as they protect, you know, the most important quote unquote of us, you know? And so it's, it's going to, here's the thing. Everybody's not going to activate the same, mm -hmm. you know, I can't ask you to activate the way that I activate because we're girl, two different people. Girl, get out there in people. the rain, baby. I, you got to give me another assignment, girl. I may not be in the rain, you know what I'm saying? But like, cause me personally, and this is no shade to anybody. And I will still get out there if families ask me, but I hate protesting because I feel like they got that formula down every which way sideways. You know, we have to start hitting them in the pocket. We have to focus on more ownership. Black people vote, but we don't lobby. This is why we, you know, get mad and don't understand why. How did this politician just get in place and do something completely different from what he said he was going to do, from what he told us what he was going to do. Well, the lobbyists, the one that's paying their bills, that's covering that whole campaign, they had their initiatives in order before they got into office. And even if they change their initiatives and tell them to do something, they're threatening them with, you know, exposing them on different things or taking away their money. We have no leverage. If we have no leverage. If we were to get more into lobbying where we're controlling the funds. That's why the Asian and, you know, the Latino and these different communities are able to control so much because they're able to tell you, okay, well, I tell you what, um, if you don't adhere to these initiatives that you said you were going to after you get in office, then we're going to take away uh, 125,000 of your constituent votes. We're going to take away, you know, $2 million of your campaign funds that you desperately need to be able to get in office. We have to take a stance. I think that, you know, we have to start caring about situations, even if it doesn't affect us. That's the problem. Nobody, it's like a lot of people don't care about things until it's at your front door. It's individualism versus having that community foundation. We, I mean, we've said this time and time again, but apart from just saying it, because we know we got issues, the fact that you're actually doing the work, and not just you personally doing the work, but now you're turning around and helping other people to be able to do the work as well, I think that's the most that we can do. I think that making sure that we are not just listening to these conversations, taking notes on these podcasts, but actually implementing Putting some putting action some, behind some what you just, just like she said, just do something. Like I said, everybody's not going to activate the same way, but just do something. You know, if, if even if you do cooking, you know, going last month, you know, we um, fed hundreds of people. You know what I'm saying? We gave away clothes. We gave away um, warmers. We gave away hats. We gave away shoes. I gave away goddamn sleeping bags. You know what I'm saying? Like, Everybody's activism may be different, but do something to better your community. I think that we need to get back to having block associations. We need, when I grew up, you know, we had block parties every week. We had block party associations. If it was different stuff going on, everybody knew about it, and everybody jumped in. When my little Michelle Dow from Full House came, it went to my neighbor's house, and then it came got to me. If I did something down the street, my, my mama found out about it before I even, you know what I'm saying, got a chance to lie the about village. it. The it's, village. The village ain't We have villager. to bring back the village. And we have to... <clears throat> it's so much div 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 divisiveness in our community. Um, here's the thing, y'all. We're not going to all like each other. Let's, let's, let's throw that out there first. But your personal opinion about somebody should not 
affect you still doing that work if that's what you're really passionate about. We have to stop focus. Nobody, first of all, there's not going to be no perfect politician. There's not going to be no perfect person. But we have to stop tearing each other down about our weaknesses and focus on each other's strengths. You know, you may it may be this thing that you don't like that they do, but don't throw away all the rest of them because of one weak spot because they, they're still good at a lot of other things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, we have to uplift each other more um, and just start being more active in our own community. Fix your community that you're in and what's around you first, you know? So and one of go the ways, from there. One of the ways that you can do that, though, is through a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the benefit of having a nonprofit. I think a lot of people have misconceptions about what that actually means to have a nonprofit. Um, And then share about your class, because I know you're going to be helping people set up their nonprofits, too. Yeah, so the benefits of having a nonprofit. So first, let me say this. Um, Too many of us givers and people with big heart and doing all these different things in the community, um, we're giving blindly. We're... Um, operating out of our passions blindly. Um, And the thing is, is that we want people to pour into us. We want people to help us carry out these missions. But you cannot ask a corporation, you know, to give you these big bucks without being set up properly. You know, you can't um, give someone a tax-deductible receipt if you do not have a 501c3, you know, and even sometimes like I had a nonprofit for six years before I had a 501c3 because I didn't understand how important a 501c3 was. And I thought, well, I have a nonprofit organization from the secretary of state. That, that don't matter. That does not mean that you are recognized as a charitable organization by the IRS. If Uncle Sam don't know you, it doesn't matter. For real, for real, you know, and then also all these things that you're doing, you can recoup some of those funds on the back end when it comes to getting your taxes done. Um, When you have a a, a 501c3 um, nonprofit, you're able to get grants. You're able to get the big sponsorships. You're able to actually help um, people keep money in their pocket in a lot of other ways and businesses, for instance. How many times have you donated clothes to people? Girl, too many times tonight. Have you ever gotten a receipt for it? Have I used that receipt? I'd I'd be losing the receipt. Don't use me as an example. So you have gotten a receipt. From the Goodwill. Okay. So, oh, perfect example. Let me break this down because I was just talking about last month how Goodwill be scamming people. I know they do, girl. I don't Um, go to the Goodwill no more. Let me tell y'all something. So the Goodwill is a nonprofit, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The goodwill gets money from the government to hire people that are re-entering society, right? Then you're donating your items to them. So you're taking these things to goodwill, and you're thinking everything you're taking to goodwill is being placed on the floor. It's not. Mm -hmm. Goodwill is actually instructed to take out anything of value. They put this stuff on eBay. They put this stuff on bidding websites, and then they're reselling it. And so they're make so they're getting stuff for free. They're getting money for free. They don't have to pay their employees because they're being paid to pay their employees. And they're making money off the stuff that you gave them on top of the money that they gonna make in the store. 
you know. And so the person that owns Goodwill, he basically don't have no overhead. Let me tell you who else is a nonprofit. The NFL is a nonprofit. The NFL is a nonprofit. As nonprofit well as the, doesn't mean poor. It's basically the Yeah, the as point. well as the NBA. You know, um, so let's say, uh, you know, you have people donating to you. You're not only able to use uh, monetary donations count to be counted as income, but you can use something called in-kind donations as income. And so, you know... For instance, um, I ain't going to say his name, but a celeb DJ gave me some clothes last month. I wrote him a $1,000 receipt for that. So that's money that goes towards his taxes. Um, you can, you can um, for your charitable um, deductions, you can actually, for your char- charitable um, things that you've given away, you can actually... Uh, have that count towards 40% of your income deducted. Yeah, excuse me. That can go towards 40% of your income as a credit. See, when you get past a certain amount, see, everybody, you you can tell who on what income uh, levels if they excited about tax season. Because when you make a certain point, we not excited about tax season because we owe. No we got Yeah, we ain't getting no refund. We got to pay. So... But if you have your ducks in a row, if you have a nonprofit or if you're you have a nonprofit organization that you've been donating towards, you can get you can credit up to 40 percent of your income. So now, whereas you may have had to pay the IRS twenty thousand dollars, you may only have to pay them, you know, twelve thousand dollars. Would you like to keep $8,000? Yes, I would. Exactly. And so it really does make a difference. And then we know that when you get to uh, the highest tax brackets, they are able to tax almost up to 50% of your income. If you have a nonprofit or if you have somebody that you're partnering with, then that gets bust down dramatically. And so what happens is it's not, and let me clear up a misconception, it's not that they're giving you this money back. What happens is it's applied towards your income. So, yeah, credit towards your income. So now instead of being taxed on $150,000, you're only taxed on, you know, seventy-five dollars or $80,000. So, but having a a nonprofit is not enough. The 501c3 status is what allows you to be able to do this. That so, is what so in gives the class, you the, is that what you're teaching? Yes, that is what gives you the um, tax, that is what gives you the tax-exempt status. And then also, you're not only able, y'all, as a nonprofit, you can go out and get free property from the government. As a nonprofit, you can sign up to not have to pay taxes in different places, you can, mm-hmm. it's nonprofits that now I'm okay. This is the last free game I'm gonna get y'all. Um, cause y'all got, y'all got to sign up for the master class. Um, it's nonprofits that literally have contracts with Walmart, with Target, where they, they're able to pay 10% on the dollar for entire pallets of goods and services. I'm talking about y'all TVs, um, computers. 
all type of stuff where you can go in there and something this 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 palette of items may normally cost you a hundred thousand dollars. You can pay ten thousand dollars for that. And then what you gonna do with the stuff? Whatever you want. Now listen. Now what people doing with it versus what they they're saying they doing with it is two different things. That's your business. That's your business. But make sure if you ain't doing what you supposed to do that you ain't being on. You ain't doing it for the gram. But yeah, this you know. And then the other thing is is that it is so many grants out there. The government gives out billions of dollars in grants per year, but we don't get them because we don't apply for them. We black people apply for less than 3% of grants. Mm. And it just breaks my heart when we look at these numbers and I be shooting myself in the foot sometimes because I know I need to apply for more grants, but it puts you in a position to be able to have build access. generational wealth. Mm -hmm. It puts you in, and then, and then the other thing is, is nonprofits are not just for um, charity work. Um, the way a lot of these politicians and a lot of these big campaigns are able to get these big dollars from corporations and rich people is because they have something called a 501c4. When you have a 501c4, you can take these big donations and you don't have to reveal who your donors are. So it's almost like a black market for nonprofits, you know, and then you have churches and different things, you know, but yeah, you can get property for free. You can get um, vehicles for free. You can do write-offs on these different things. I mean, it's so many different benefits to having a nonprofit. And if you're giving away so much to all these people, you need to have your own, you, you know, have your um, paperwork together. Mm -hmm. You need to get your own together. So what are we doing in the class? You helping them get their paperwork together? I'm helping them get their paperwork together. Um, Will I'm, they be prepared to fill out the application? I, I'm, I'm helping them um, fill out the application. Um, I'm going to be um, telling them how you go about, you know, um, marketing this nonprofit. We're going to be doing classes every month. So this year I'm going to show you all how to get into schools. Um, I'm going to show you all how to get government, how to um, start building your business credit, how to get these uh, government contracts, um, because it's, a, it's so many government contracts that's out there. You got local government contracts. You got state government contracts. You got federal government contracts. And you want those contracts to be able, because that's going to, guarantee your income you know and then the other thing a lot of people don't know is after you have that contract you can take that contract go to a bank and get a loan on that contract mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not that i did not know is i mean it's so many you know different things you know and so even with um you know even with the 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 government contracting and different things you know what i'm saying like that is a, a way for you to can create get a government jobs. contract Absolutely. They pre they prefer government contracts a lot of times. And then here's the thing. The great thing about the government contracts, you it's typically one to three years. Multi-year, right. And so now you've got your, your income guaranteed for the next few years. Okay, Shar, at this point, the people are looking at the screen saying, how do I... Well, y'all can look down below and get the link. But please <laughs> tell them verbally not only how they can find you online, but where they can get this class. Because we always talk about the resources we don't have, yeah. but a lot of times it's because we're not taking advantage of them. That is very true. We do be needing to do, we do we need to Google that shit. <laughs> but um, you can go to uh, the nonprofitmasterclass.com, the nonprofitmasterclass.com, nonprofitmasterclass.com uh, to get more information. Um, to find out about everything I have going on, linktree.com slash I am Char Bates. 
Um, you know, you can follow me. Um, I'm more active on Instagram. I don't really, yeah, I be on Facebook, but my mom and them on there, so you know, you know. But um, but yeah, um, follow me Shabbat. on um, Instagram. Uh, follow my nonprofit, Breaking the Chains. Um, you can also follow my social uh, justice advocacy organization. My vote is hip hop, and yeah, I'm just I'm giving the game that I have learned that it has taken me a lot of mistakes and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money to be able to get to this point. And so um, I'm just trying to uh, help y'all, help me help y'all help us, you know, um, because this is another way of um, unlocking generational wealth as well as, um, you know, making your passions make sense and sense. That part. Well, Shar, I just want to personally give you your flowers for doing oh, the work. Because it's a lot of people that's talking about it. But when the doors close, they're real comfortable just being comfortable and not they're not willing to step outside of that comfort to actually stand on something. So you don't get celebrated. People like you, and I'm sure you, you know, personally don't get celebrated enough for the work that you do. It's usually on the other side, right? It's like we have all these great things to say about the people that were doing all the work, but when they're around, we, we're not usually appreciating them. So I want to just give you your flowers Thank for you. being willing to do the uncomfortable, unpopular work for our people. I appreciate that. The nonprofitmasterclass.com. You said it like five yep. times. The nonprofit masterclass. <laughs> we're gonna say it six times. The nonprofitmasterclass.com. We gotta get access to these resources. I say it all the time. The black community, we're always late to the party. Like we are always finding about resources after they didn't ran out. And so Shar is here to give y'all the game. The lessons that she had to learn the hard way. Very expensive lessons. I'm sure she's not charging y'all nearly the price that she's paid. So the not the nonprofitmasterclass.com. <laughs> Check it out. Make sure y'all share this episode with a friend, okay? Subscribe to the channel. If you enjoyed this conversation, leave your girl a five-star review, either on Apple or on Spotify. If it ain't five-star, keep it to yourself. Thank you for tuning <laughs> in. I'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. So if you enjoyed that episode, I'm willing to bet you are absolutely going to get your entire life when you log on to everybodylied.com, y'all, I just launched my brand new blog, which is for women like me who are stepping into the newness of life, okay? Your girl got engaged, got pregnant, got married, and became a mom all in less than a year, and life came at me fast. As life was life, and I realized that a lot of the things that I had been led to believe were a lie. Survey says... That was a lie. And so I am sharing all of my lessons learned and what I have discovered to be the truth, along with some resources on my new blog, everybodylied.com. Come on over if you are a woman who is experiencing the newness of life. I'll see you there. I'll do one more. Can I do one more? Um, just go. Hmm. Thanks. Okay. I should still look at that camera though, right? Okay. So if you just... Wait, now. Hopefully you enjoyed the... Nope.
Okay, before you go, I have to invite you to log on to everybodylie.com, my brand new blog where I am sharing with y'all the truth, okay? When they told us we had to work until we died, that was a lie. When they said the clock was ticking and you need to hurry up and have those babies, that was a lie. When they tried to convince us that marriage was the magic pill that if you find your man, you're going to live happily ever after. Survey said that is a lie. And so if you are a woman that is walking into the newness of life, I want to share some resources, some lessons learned, some tips, some tricks, and some tools. Log on to everybodylied.com so we can learn and grow together. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.